This episode is brought to you by Longhorn Lager from Farmer's Creed Beer. Oh, here we go. You ready? Let's go. It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Happy Thursday. It's a new episode day for Beer and Bullshit, the podcast where we talk about beer and talk bullshit uh chris pellerin is here let's go benny of the show i'm benny johnson as everyone calls me there he is benito benito johnson hey how you doing oh, i'm getting canceled for that what i can we still uh, do mexican or spanish accents i'm not sure anymore ooh, where you shouldn't have said mexican why they speak spanish in mexico <laughs> it's not offensive Anyway, you're revealing more about yourself than me. Let's talk about beer stuff. How's uh <laughs> oh here's the thing? <laughs> oh, I like that. Great segue. Our uh acquaintance friend, old time high school chum, Scotty Watson. I don't know if he listens to the show or not, but he's definitely a fan of my stuff on the interwebs. Scotty was toying with the idea of getting an octopus wants to fight tattoo. And uh, it sounds like it's going to happen. And it sounds like the good folks at Great Lakes Brewery are going to come and uh, film it for their social media. And so he was kind of like thinking about it on Facebook. And so I tagged Troy and was like, make this happen. And they, I think they offered him something like a case of beer a month for a year if he did it so really? scotty watson is going to be swimming and octopus wants to fight and in the interim he got himself a third moon brewery tattoo as well so i don't know if he's got a similar deal with those folks but he posted it on facebook and he's got like the skull with the three sticks so scotty hardcore craft beer fan getting tatted up he's turning into like a, a soccer kit just for the freebies i like that I think that would be fun to record an episode of the podcast with Scotty while he gets tattooed and see if the tattoo artist can get mic'd up and we drink some beers in the tattoo parlor. Now, I did see this on the social medias, and I can confirm that Scotty is a listener. I ran into him at is he? Powerhouse over the summer. He's like, where the hell is the podcast? When's the next season starting? I'm like, I don't know. Hit, up, hit up Johnson. His baby's not old enough yet. Come on. So a happy and enthusiastic guy, Scott Watson. So I'm glad he's a listener, and I hope we can be part of his tattoo in some part, even if we just go drink a beer with him. I mean, fuck, he's going to be swimming, and Octopus wants to fight. Let's make friends with him again and go, go to his house. He's going to have so much beer. We're best friends with Scott. Scott, if you're listening, it's <laughs> yeah. all, it's us. Well, let's get the let's get the uh, the trio back together. Um, what's going on with you? You missed a show last week. I don't know if you listened to it. We talked to a uh, we the royal we the ben johnson we we talked to a, a gentleman from texas about how not to start a damn brewery did you catch the episode i have not caught it yet i do intend to listen to it he has come up several times in our dialogue and uh, i was interested to hear what he had to say but it's been it's been a busy it's been a busy week uh, too busy to listen to the podcast you're on you piece of shit well i wasn't on it so i knew it wasn't going to quite be as good as usual yeah that's fair what else is going on? How's your world where your life of soccer and whatever else is you do when you can't come on the show? Uh it's mostly volleyball, volleyball not days. soccer. <laughs> yeah. Um on a personal note, uh, in my in my old man basketball league on Sunday, I I don't know how many points I had, but I think it was a career high for me. 
dating all the way back to when I first started playing basketball when I was 11. Really feeling the flow. I was Come on, don't that bullshit me. No, I was flamethrowing, son. <laughs> what does that mean? Are we talking triple, triple, double? Like what? Just points? Uh, we were 20 seconds into the game and I already had five points. It was just, and then like everything was going. It felt like I couldn't miss all night. It was, it was like I was high for gym class in grade 12. Is that how you performed in gym class? You got high first? No, there was one time in gym class where I got high before it, and then and then I proceeded to hit like 25 threes in a row. Nice. What's going on, man? Anyway, I should get out of here. The teacher's coming. As a guy who has had a similar experience getting high in bowling, feeling the groove, I get it. I feel like pool was one of those things, too. Pool was like there's a right combination of THC and alcohol where you're just seeing the angles perfectly. It's a really hard... It's a really hard, perfect equilibrium to find, though, and yeah. it can really fall off aggressively if you don't yeah. find it. Yeah, considering how often we played pool high and drunk in high school, and considering how often it was a game where you just felt it, the odds that you get the right combination are pretty low. <laughs> so what have you been up to? How's uh, I haven't spoken to you in a couple of weeks. How are things going? Terrific. Things are good. Work is very busy. Uh, I've been drinking... Uh, Storm State well, is I'm our yeah, drinking uh, a lot. Oh, God, no, no, so uh, Storm State. I I think this is new, but Storm State is in my LCBO, and I'm uh like profoundly lazy. It turns out, so if it's not at the LCBO uh, near my house, I don't tend to drink it. So it's Anderson or whatever's at my LCBO. But I'm very happy to have seen Keats at the LCBO to keep things on a local beer related vibe. Love, I, Keats. in fact, love Storm been... State. I wish Stormstead was a little closer. I feel like I feel bad for how f- I don't go there enough, but it's like just far enough that I don't, I just don't go there so much. <laughs> uh, well, I would tend to agree, but if I'm that way, I generally make it a point. And I same last time I grabbed like 30 Storm States like a week and a half ago. So it's been all Storm State for me all the time. They make lovely beer. I, whenever I have to go have to, whenever we see a friend in Wortley village or I'm up in the South end, I make a point of going there. They're also next to a cigar shop, which I enjoy. Um, maybe no one else listening is as much of an old man as me that likes a good lager and a good cigar in the garage, but I do <laughs> check out Barracoa. Um, but oh, yeah, shouts, shouts to Barracoa. And that would be a good sponsor. I would take a Barracoa sponsorship. I I, have, I often smoking. have to go, keep smoking. Keep smoking, I mean, yeah, we don't get too political on this show, but Havana Castle was my go-to, and they were uh, hardcore into the convoy on social media, and that was a big disappointment for me. So I I make the trek to Baracoa to buy cigars more often than I go to Havana Castle because I'm not a convoy guy. And if you're listening to the show and you are, stop listening. We like our vaccines on this show. <laughs> I was behind a guy yesterday that had a trailer with three flags on it, Canadian, American, and a fuck Trudeau flag upside down, and the same three flags on his truck. Uh, so he's got six flags up. And I'm like, and then it, there was this, the stuff that he had written on his trailer was just there was rife with spelling errors. I'm like, okay, I get it. You believe in a big way, but you know what your spelling's atrocious that's so weird that someone with such diverse and interesting and well thought out political views wouldn't understand how to spell it's so weird you think immunity the fuck it's spelled with an a right 
<laughs> you think the people that go to the trouble of buying a fuck Trudeau flag would be scholars? Maybe. Anyway, we're going to get angry mail. You know what? Let's do it. Let's lean into this politics thing. Let's be the anti-Rogans. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm uh, I'm an anarchist at heart, Ben, so I, I, I lean no way. I am a certified libcuck snowflake. <laughs> That's the most self-aware thing you've ever said. <laughs> Why don't we talk to somebody other than the two of us? Uh, let's make a new friend. Um, our our guest today is Mark Solomon, who, uh, you know, he's a, he's a home brewer and a beer writer. It's not someone we've had on the show before, like uh, in terms of uh, uh, we haven't had any. Have we had beer writers? I guess Chris Schreier. Chris Schreier is a man about town and a podcaster. Uh, but no, Mark is just an interesting cat. We crossed paths uh, online a few times. And the last time I was like, why don't you just fucking come on the podcast? So that's what happened. And uh, we're going to talk to him tonight. And he's from Sault Ste. Marie. And we've never had anyone on the show from north of the Mason-Dixon line. For me, Ontario ends at Highway 7. I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. But oh, for me... God. <laughs> No, that's not even accurate. What is what is what what would I be cutting out? What is north of Highway Seven? There's nothing really that great. North not much, not much. You know what? When people have talked about Ontario on the show, it's usually like ended at London West or ended at Ottawa East, but no, nobody really talks about the North South. I think other than you and I, no one talks about London. So we are making it happen. No, no, that's people just you know giving us a shout out when they're when they want to say there's nothing west of Toronto, but they realize mm. they're on a... Oh, Guelph. We'd be cutting out Guelph if we cut out Highway 7. Then, no, that's false. It kind of goes right through it, right? Uh, Highway 7's up by, by like Barrie if you're... Uh, uh, I'm looking, not. I'm looking at it, you dummy. I'm looking at a map. I would be happy with... My Ontario doesn't actually include Guelph, so I'm fine with that. You dick. Does <laughs> it include the north half of Stratford? Oh, God, yeah. My favorite part of Stratford is the north half. Yeah, Palmerston's out, oh, wow. Mount Forest is out, Shelburne's out, Mild May in, Teeswater in. This is fascinating. <laughs> okay, let's just talk to Mark. Apologies right, for this Mark. intro. We've we're out of we're at, we're out of practice. We'll get back into the swing of things next week. Here's Mark, more interesting than us. Uh, welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> well, thank you. Th- thanks for the invite. Yes. It occurred to me, I, you're maybe the person that, that's been on the show that I know the least about. So we're actually going to be meeting you tonight, I think. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Um, this is Chris. This is uh, my co-host and longtime friend, Chris Pellerin. How are you, Mark? Good. Uh, Blink-182 boys. That's that's, that's what they call I, I've been <laughs> catching up trying to get acquainted. Yeah. Yes, we've been fans for a long time. Uh, we've seen them kind of every decade for three decades so they're the new albums out i know we saw the tour when they were still shopping the old stuff around and probably working on the album i don't think i've got the money to or the willpower to go spend the, that much to go see them again for the new stuff fair fair, fair. are you a blink 182 fan no that's just I, the only thing you know about us <laughs> no, no, no it's not the only thing i know about you guys but it's definitely something i i, I was i was thinking about because I didn't realize that a couple of the members like almost died in in like I think you have a documentary on like we almost died and still made this 
album yeah. type thing, right? So yeah, Travis was in a plane crash and then Mark had cancer. So I think yeah, kind of put things in. I mean, we're old. I kind of relate. We've we've had friends that have gone through similar things. You just kind of get things put, get put in perspective for you, right? 100%. I guess this is growing up. Oh boy. I did oh. That. <laughs> but you had their whole new album is about that then you didn't have to go back 28 years for that one i didn't right. love the new album it's really really auto-tuned I, I gotta i gotta give it another shot but yeah this is a blink 182 podcast if you're just tuning in <laughs> mostly talk about skate punk and mid 90s warp tour stuff so we've got mark here we won't share his last name he could be in blink yeah there you go <laughs> mark i feel like the only thing i know about you is that you were like a very active and vocal person on twitter before i stopped being able to pay attention to twitter without vomiting blood because it's so Same. such a terrible hellscape but Same. you were kind of flirting with the idea of becoming a beer writer and then all, you were and then i read your most recent piece in the growler and i was like i gotta talk to this guy because i really really liked it yeah um I ended up taking a, a class with uh, with Jordan St. John. Okay. Um, and um, it was it was a weird class. It was like everything you need to know about beer in six weeks. Yeah. Um, and every, it was just like everything from like history to all the different styles. Uh, and Jordan does a, a, a class. And I think that that class has been passed through like many beer hands. Like I think Troy originally wrote it from. Yeah, it's Humber, right? Great. It, it's um George Brown actually okay, George, George Brown is part of their culinary thing and then at, out of the blue Jordan kind of approached me and said do you want to write something for the growler uh so this is my second thing I I did I did the the first one was on um tap rooms in northwestern Ontario um I must have missed that one or I wasn't in it so I didn't get a free copy you were not no you weren't and in fact actually i got bumped from so i, I kind of bookended uh i got bumped from the middle because you were in the next one. Oh, they're like oh no space ben's back ben's Ooh, rivalry <laughs> there you go there we go we'll have to put it to bed sometime right so so what was your i mean i jokingly said this is what we were talking about but like your craft beer journey were you a, you are a home brewer but how did you end up taking a class with jordan st john it was just something that interests you or you just wanted to dig in a little deeper um you know it, it's it's fun. like i started uh started my craft beer journey like we all did with drinking macro for the long longest of time and then i just kind of noticed the guys down the street doing something kind of neat on social media and they seem to have a a fun presence and they did fun stuff where you could go and play cards and drink beer that was made by the home team and really kind of fell in love with that aspect of like community-based you know walk down to your local have a couple support the guys trying to to do something you know, and go home and um <laughs> and go home. And, uh, sleep <laughs> Who there. are the guys and, down uh, the street? Yeah. Of uh, well, for me it was uh well it it kind of was a, a little bit of everybody. It was uh town and then when I was in the north it was um it was superior brewing and uh oh sorry I can see outspoken was uh was there I, I then got ridiculously addicted to the gamification of Untapped. Uh, oh no, you're one of those. 
Well, no, I had, again, and I'm in recovery. I, I deleted the app and <laughs> had that moment of like, I, I, I got to go to the next brewery to, to get all the check-ins and da, 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 and order endless amounts of flights so I could say I tried everything. And and realizing, I'm like, this is just the building of a problem here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, what? it was fun for a minute. I mean, it's like Pokemon, right? It's basically alcoholic Pokemon. You have to get a hundred percent and you go to your gyms, which are breweries and bars like it's the same. Yeah, and it, it's just not the like it. It just wasn't fun. Like you, it was like, OK, so on Saturday, you know, let's hit three breweries as right. fast as we can. So, you know. We can check in to all these things. And I'm like, why? What are we doing here? Like this isn't fun. And 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 then you see, um, I I put something up on on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, and uh, X is called. Yeah. And Jason Trombley from Shacklands, uh, formerly Shacklands, uh, yeah, reached out and said, hey, do you want to do a, a brew with Ren? And uh, so Ren and I did a. Uh, did a brew for I think it was their third anniversary um and did a little speaking gig there and then uh um well how does that happen Mark I mean like you went from like that Jason called you up it's like hey really (laughs) yeah a guy on Twitter who checked in on my beard you want to do yeah and I well and I guess kind of like I've always been like the indigenous guy in home brewing and 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 what have you and I and I think Jason was uh, at a point and and in, in his life and and I, I think many places where we're just trying to kind of like what do we what's the right thing to do here where, where right. how do we get more diversity in our tap rooms how do we how do we do this and so let's let's hear from some voices in in the community that aren't heard from nice and well, that's a good uh, thing. I don't want to mislead people that thing. we just need to be on untapped and start tweeting and they'll start doing collabs. <laughs> maybe that's what maybe that's what Jason Trombley looks for. I don't know. <laughs> Is, was yeah, it the status? I, I, I think he's on Reddit these days. So yeah. Was was it the status of being a level 20 badge on Paint the Town Red? <laughs> <laughs> I had all the uh whatever the, the Belgians were, so that in that allowed me to go to shock my That was right? my so. research for tonight, was to see all of the medallions that you have on Untapped Mark. It was about it, the best was... I could find. And I'm like, this is the right mark, right? Yeah, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> it's embarrassing though, like, cause like you kind of like, oh, I just got a new badge, and it's just like I'm you're on level fifty of IPA, and you're like, should I be proud of that? <laughs> like, that's not I've always re- appreciated the argument that it's a great way to track personally the beers you've had, so you can remember. I think that's the justification that I would accept. It's the publicly sharing of badges to Facebook and Twitter. It's like, yeah, do we need this. I yeah. turned that off. I didn't realize it was doing it. I'm, I'm not very tech savvy. I didn't realize it was doing it until someone's like, Oh, you got a lot of badges last night. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> You got a lot of badges last <laughs> night. Has that tying on and tying one on? Yeah, that's why I don't feel so great this morning. <laughs> so, how did that evolve to homebrewing? Because I don't think most people's journey does that. And this is like a common question of like, you're into beer. They're like, oh, you must brew your own. I don't think that's a one-to-one. Most people that doesn't go from, I really enjoy beer to, I want to make this stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I'm i not really sure how I got into homebrewing. I, 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 I think I had the dream that every homebrewer does of like open my own shop. And then, you know, I looked at some financial statements and realized, oof. 
Um, but I, I got into, I got into homebrewing, um, in, in, in my life, I, I feel like there's, um, I don't want this to come off like I'm a prepper or anything, but I like, I, we, we can our own food. We, we hunt, we fish in our, in our home, in our community. And it was like a self-sustainability type thing of like, I like beer and it wouldn't it be nice to have this and you know and then you tell yourself the lie or at least you tell your partner the lie that oh it'll be cheaper if i make my own and right. that's the that's the biggest lie of home brewing is yeah. it's it couldn't be more expensive right like i just bought a plate for the bottom of my grain faller for 70 dollars <laughs> what does it do i don't know but it says it works so it's it's i watched two youtube videos so obviously it works right so um yeah i think it can, kind of became a bit of a sustainability type thing like i really like that ability of of being being able to do something and being able to share something like my wife and i make a, a lot of jams and and preserves and stuff and give that away as christmas we we do that with beer i there is and I think, you know, I've heard the critique and I've heard your critique and read your critique of homebrewers, completely agree with it, right? Like, there's nothing worse than the guy walking into a brewery saying, would you like to try my version of your beer? Or, yeah. uh, like, you, you see that, you're just like, oh, so cringy, right? Like, it's... it's <laughs> yeah. For me, it was we, always... You had Rob on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But and, and even Rob said that the homebrewing element of his business was always meant to be a temporary thing. Um, but yeah, I think I, I mean I don't actually have anything against homebrewers, but I think I, I came to resent them because as I wrote about beer, you know, back in the day for a couple of uh, Toronto publications, or I had my own blog and was more active about it, I would write something about the politics of beer or something about beer. And inevitably, one of the comments was always like, this is why I started homebrewing or like, just make your own. I'm like, that's not the solution to everything. Like, I'm not going to make beer as good as like, oh, if I don't like this company, I can go make the exact same beer at home. I don't have that. That's not a one to one. <laughs> and it, it's also not a logical thing, right? Like you, you see the setups that we have, they're thousands of dollars more. Like, like it's not accessible, right? Like it's. Yeah it's a constant upgrade it's it's not accessible it's not for the faint of heart or the, the people who are on unlimited income it's it's not great and then if you want to get into a whole another level of ridiculousness start entering homebrew competitions and hearing what other homebrews have to brewers have to say about your homebrew oh god fascinating yeah yeah <laughs> and you got these score sheets that have things like mouthfeel and da, da, da. so I always did so poorly at these competitions. Like I pride myself on being an award losing home brewer. Because and, of all the mouthfeel points you lose. Because of all the mouthfeel. I'm not getting those five points out of 50. And that's <laughs> that's what sell me. So I was like, my palate can't be this bad. It probably is, but it can't be this bad. Right. So I took Jordan's class because another part of Jordan's class also has this tasting component to it. Yep. I did it during the height of COVID which was then all of us sitting in my well, I'm currently in my daughter's room so I'm sitting in my daughter's room sipping on random beers that we grabbed from the LCBO and Jordan can't quality control everybody in the class and right. of course he's kind of relying on the LCBO skew sheets making sure that people across Ontario that have signed up for this class to take it distance 
are doing it. So there's people like, like, oh, you know, okay, so we're gonna try the the IPA, and people are pulling out like a, a Budweiser, going, this matches up, right? And you're like, oh boy, here we go, right? <laughs> so like, like the the patience of the man was quite was, was quite good, but yeah. So what did you learn? What was the takeaway? Your palate was bad and now it's refined. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was bad. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. The takeaway is you tell people what they're tasting and all of a sudden they sort of taste what you're saying. Oh, I do taste the vanilla a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Oh, there it is. You just have to do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I am feeling that in my mouth. Am I saying that right? (laughs) Yeah, I was I've I, maybe just once, but I I did I was a judge for like the World Beer Awards. Okay. And it gets so redundant, like it's crazy. Like you're tasting like seven brown ales in a row, and you're like trying to find a nuance between them. Like I don't know. And I'm like, I like I was like taking off my glasses. Like how do I taste things differently? I don't understand. Like I'm running out of ways to taste things. Like you, you should be on like a strong edible or something, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. just be able to taste the sound of it pouring into my glass. Like yeah, it's just I, I don't under like, and and truly. Like beer judges are, and and uh, like no fault to them, but when you're on your tenth tenth beer, mm-hmm. I I and and I again we've we've established I don't have a palate, and being at level fifty of the IPA badge level there that I have, <laughs> I can't tell you one glass of hazy from another glass of hazy. Right. There's no blind taste test for me. It's just like oh, this tastes like beer, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of, there's definitely like some people that are much better at it. Jordan is one of those people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a handful of people who I have found that are, they have really good palates and really good, or really good writing skills. A hundred percent. And there's not a ton of people that cross over. Uh, she doesn't really write about beer anymore, but I always found Crystal Luxmore was the person that had the great yeah. balance of an excellent palate and a very good writer. And yeah. I I would say I've always been a pretty good writer, but in terms of palette, I'm just like, Neh. like I get it, but I can taste some nuance, but it's also just kind of an exercise in creative writing when you're writing tasting notes. Like how many different ways can you say like multi backbone? It's just the same shit every week, or at least when I used to ever write about a new yeah. beer every week. Well, and, and when you see these these scoring sheets come in and, and I have a competition, I'll share some with, with you. They are a level of polarity, right? Like so, <laughs> like you'll you'll get. So I I entered a I entered a beer a quad in and I got a this should age more, you know this beer needs more legs it needs more this needs more this. I entered it literally three weeks later to a different competition and got a gold medal for it. Maybe it just needs the three weeks. Apparently that three weeks just really locked it in from a mediocre beer to the best one of that category. So it's funny. I don't know. There's also the problem of like competitive tasting of a product is odd. I mean, for home brewing, I get it. But when we talk about beer awards, generally speaking, I'm like, is this really like, I don't know. I think it's so nice for a pat on the back and maybe a little badge on your marketing sheet or whatever, or slap it on a label that it won X, but like, it's a weird thing to do to judge beers against other beers, I think. I did see the Canadian Beer Awards message out today because I guess they've mailed out all their trophies or whatever. Yeah. Saying, don't forget to go to your local homebrew and ask them for their trophies. 
or you don't forget to go to your local brewery and ask them for their trophies. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's giving people that like, oh yes, look at my vast ray of trophies here. None of these are on tap, but would you like to try something else that we have that didn't win, right? Or will win next year? I only drink at places that proudly display their Canadian Brewing Awards. Exactly, right on, <laughs> right in the front window, so you know, so you don't have to waste your time getting out if they don't have them there. What are you drinking there? I waited for mm. you to take a sip to ask you. Actually, this is my uh, this is my uh, um, my gold medal winning Kentucky Common. So oh. when you enter homebrew competitions, sometimes you look for the most obscure beer that people have never tried before. Kentucky Common yeah. is a good one. There's not too many of those in Ontario. No, so you brew it and you might win a gold medal. Well, it looks so. pretty good. I'm looking at head retention and lacing alone. It looks pretty solid from however yeah. many hundreds of kilometers away you are. It looks pretty good. It's not bad, eh? Yeah, no, it, it did it did pretty good. Quite honestly, I had never tried the beer before I brewed it and uh, kind of have fallen in love with it. So nice. it's a nice uh, autumn beer, shall we say. Yeah, no, I think I, there, I remember a time when there were like a couple of Kentucky Commons, but I don't remember the last time I had one made locally. Yeah. No, it's so. Uh, Mark, it's what beer. what percentage of beer that you drink is beer that you brewed yourself? Yeah, here's the fascinating part: is that when you brew beer, you end up with five gallons of it. <laughs> so that sometimes becomes like a marathon or a sprint. And so, um, when I'm out of the house, I I don't drink my own. I'm not the uh, bringing growlers to places or or anything like that. Not that guy. You just got a big pocket. Ooh, look what I got here. I got oh, a look what I got here. Or like you're going over to a buddy's place. Like, please drink this beer because I have five more gallons at home of this. The bombers um, with duct tape on them. Like, here you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, at home, I drink. Uh, it's probably fifty percent mine and fifty percent bought. Okay. Um. Like, like I said, like you end up with like five gallons of it, right? So when you do something kind of fun and off the wall, so I, I was wondering if this this Kentucky Common was actually going to end up like being dumped. I once brewed, and I, I, I to this day love it. But five gallons, I brewed a dill pickle sour beer. Mm -hmm. I loved it, but five gallons of it, like, what do you do after? <laughs> That's a lot of. That's a lot of dill pickle, and it's <laughs> not something you're interested in. <laughs> you need a lot of tums for that. You, you need, yeah, sours at my age are not your friend. No. Yeah. So, Mark, am I not mistaken that there was a, then you have a blog. I feel like I read your blog. You had a blog, didn't you? I did have a blog. Um, it lasted all of like three blogs, I think. Uh, <laughs> I I tripled what what uh, what Rob from Shortfinger put up. Um, right. <laughs> I, I just I, I think I think there's a monotony to it, right? Like uh, you've realized that there's a lot of people in the in the beer writing space, and the like. And there's rug, sorry, there's a lot of really great beer writers. Yourself, uh, Jordan, Robin, um, Ren dabbles in it in it a bit. There's a lot of really great people in that space and i'm like i'm not really sure i have much to contribute beyond 
I feel like everyone kind of quit, myself included. There's been a couple of times where I'm like, I'm just going to write something once a week and it always peters out. And I'm all, but I'm also of the opinion, like, you should get paid what you're worth. And so I'm always like, why am I fucking giving this away? Like, not that I'm like special, but like, if I could pitch this somewhere and get paid for it, shouldn't I do that? Like, I don't know. Blogging is. I think you answered your own question. I mean, should get paid what it's worth. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm worth and a you're lot. You're not getting paid anything. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to help you, you know, connect some dots here, Ben. That's no, I've also lost the, I've also shopping. lost the energy to go pitch myself. Like there was a time when I was actively like, I want to write for the Global Mail, so I would try to hone my pitch and try to find the right editor. And I'm like, I don't have fucking time for that anymore. And it's not as lucrative. Like it's not worth it. These people that no. do it as a living, I don't even know if there is any other than like Stephen Beaumont anymore. But like. Yeah. I don't know how you do that as a job. It just doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> well, it doesn't feel like the industry's in any place to be be helping. Well, that's the other part. Anyway. Yeah, and it's it it is right. Like I know Jordan does half a dozen things to kind of like he's. It feels like it's a bit of a gig economy with him and and a number of others that are trying to kind of you know piece together a, a living. It's it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also the media too, right? Like, do people read anymore? Like, that's that's the other part. Is like, other than my untapped reviews, nobody read my stuff, right? So, I think that's yeah. a big one. Nobody has the patience. It feels like, especially younger people, to read anything longer than a tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, give me, give me, give me everything you have in fifteen seconds. I don't want to watch a whole thing or read a whole thing. The attention span of society collectively is it's pretty pathetic. Which, yeah. which is disappointing because there's so much like really good reading, reading books and reading stuff, but yeah, my kids not. So geez, yeah, I, I think there's a confluence of things like the media landscape got really shitty. Like there used to be a an actual like appetite to pay people for writing. Like I I feel like I've talked about this before on the show, but like circa 2013 i could name you like five different outlets that were paying people in toronto to write about beer that's crazy like (laughs) now it's like josh rubin writes for the star he used to just write about beer and now he's got like sports business beer like it's it's all over the map but like there used to be the grid there used to be now there used to be a guy for me for blog to like everyone actually had someone who just wrote about drinks and it's crazy so now there's like you know, you write about 15 things and you barely make enough money to eat doing it. So there's that. Then there's like Instagram and influencers suddenly were like, if someone's just going to hold up a phone and be like, explain a beer in 10 seconds that would have taken me 500 words. Nobody does it anymore. You're, you're right. I think that's, that's the other part is like social media killed the skill of it. Like there's, there is a skill to social media because I definitely don't have it me and my hundred followers but it, it it's not a it's and it's a muscle that needs to be exercised but um you know we can mourn the loss of of one but i you know there is an opportunity for younger people to do something i guess within the medium that speaks to themselves too right but, yep maybe we're just yeah. old tiktok's cool blogs are out blogs so if i danced cool. about kentucky commons people would understand are you looking for a smooth lightly filtered lager with a balanced taste and crisp finish grab the bull by the horns 
Longhorn Lager from Farmer's Creed Beer is available at Select Beer and LCBO stores now. Details at FarmersCreedBeer.com. How did that beer get full again? I didn't even notice you pour that. Oh, I got a little thing off the side here. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that is nice. Mm-hmm. Did you do it one-handed? Uh, like, well, yeah, you can pull oh, it. Oh, there it is. No, you have a picture. I thought you like just <laughs> held it somewhere and it filled up. Pretty oh, good. yeah. Wouldn't that be good? That's a skill. Eh? You put that on your resume. One-handed draft tap? Is yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so tell me a bit about like how you got in. I don't even know how the indigenous issues relate to beer. Like, I I feel like there's just a complete dearth of any culture outside of like privileged white people in beer. And so like, I think it's like anything that's some semblance of like some multiculturalism or like, yes, thank you, please. Let's do more of this. But like, how, how did, how did you got to get wedged into that? So I, uh, Ren actually brought a number of us together. Uh, we created a, a little collective of Indigenous brewers. We uh, we call ourselves the Indigenous Brew Crew, and um, I, I think you're you're right, Ben. I, there wasn't a lot of people in our communities doing that. It's um, alcohol in the Indigenous communities incredibly complex, mm-hmm. and, and we actually learned that ourselves. We we had um we tried to to do a campaign kind of like um um what was the black lives matter they did that big uh the stout beer um we tried to do a kind of a common beer for ontario um to raise money for missing and murdered indigenous women and we heard very astutely from the indigenous community they were not interested in having indigenous artwork on on beer cans they were not interested in being involved in 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 that the more contemporary artists the the more urban uh the indigenous community was they were more accepting of 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 alcohol uh, you know it you know it's a complex topic dealing yeah. with uh, communities that have had trauma based on 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 um, with alcohol and addictions and 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 all that and at some point you know I felt real bad about it. like quite honestly it was uh it was something that through my mental health because we were trying to do something for the community and right. it ended up being the community saying that's not the way and you need to be held accountable and yeah. we were held very publicly accountable everything from like cbc news stories and podcasts about us and all sorts of stuff and 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 it was just it it wasn't great so we kind of all faded into the background but we still were like there's uh eric and uh and uh still work in in beer um they're uh they work for smaller shops and um it we learned something from it. We learned that yeah. the community may not be ready for it, but also learning that there are a number of members of the community that that enjoy a pint and uh, and are able to navigate the world of consumption of alcohol and being indigenous and 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 like it's complex, right? It's yeah, yeah. And I think there was a nuance that was missing on what we were doing. And I don't think new, uh, social media and many places aren't places for the nuance. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. 
and yeah. yeah i mean that's actually i mean yeah maybe a good lesson that this isn't like <laughs> we always try to like sandwich two things together like beer needs to be more x but maybe it's not the right fit and you've seen it before where like it's almost like tokenism where you slap like a black cartoon character on a beard as a like tribute to uh-huh. someone like oh did you even consult like as were any black people involved in this game like so i'm not saying that was the case with your efforts but you know it's not a it's not a yeah can't, and we, you we can't collab every issue yeah and i feel like we talked to to, uh, to people about it and realized we may not have been talking to the people who i think we may have been talking to the people we wanted to hear from right and not necessarily talking to to the community you know to this day every once in a while somebody brings it up and i'm like yeah i'm that guy in <laughs> from the community kind of going did you believe that they would do this i'm like actually that was my dumb idea and... <laughs> well actually they were incredibly well intentioned i just think that they might have <laughs> yeah it's well, tough too yeah. when you put something out uh in, into the uh into the world too i mean it can be interpreted in so many different ways. The nuance you're talking about being missed, yeah. it can be missed by the audience as well. And uh, and sometimes the, the loudest, most critical voices seem to be the only ones that anyone hears from. Like you're trying to raise yeah. awareness for something that there should at least can be some acknowledgement of the fact that you were well-intentioned, even if it maybe didn't land the way you thought it would. Yeah. And, and I guess that was the disappointing part is that you know, it wasn't a campaign to encourage more, more consumption within our communities. It wasn't a campaign for that. It was to, quite honestly, access money for the community and, mm-hmm. and trying to do that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that struck me as uh, in the last piece I read that you wrote in the Growler, it was definitely a bit of culture that I don't typically mm. see reflected in the beer world not necessarily an indigenous perspective but certainly northern ontario that was a uniquely yeah. northern ontarian perspective like i don't think uh you know not to stereotype too much but like the toronto hipsters <laughs> that are largely vocal in the beer scene i don't think there's a lot of like you know going to their camp for the hunt uh happening or if they, if they even get much of a I know I'm generalizing a lot, but I'm sure some most people know some people in Northern Ontario. But I, I, that's the first time I'd seen something like that in like a semi-hip beer magazine, at least. So I did enjoy that a lot. Uh, I appreciate it. it. It is interesting. I do. Uh, so I work in Toronto. I live on the, you know, I live south of Barrie. But it is funny talking to people from Toronto that they haven't been north of Highway Seven. Uh, right. And then, like that's where that's where their Canada ends is Highway Seven and. <laughs> You must live like why do you live so far north? I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Like, there is much more of this province north of me. But <laughs> yeah. um uh I was born and raised in Sault Ste. Marie, and um that was uh like alcohol was a part of our life, and beer definitely was, like, and it was of course a lot of macro stuff. I the um <clears throat> The beer store was, you know, in every, not every corner, but it was around, you know, it was as almost as common as pot shops these days. But uh, <laughs> um, it's interesting. I think that's turning around a lot when um, people are understanding the multinationalness of, of the beer store and that the guy down the street, while he doesn't do my brand, does something that I can, I can drink. And um, I think 
craft beer did a bit of a disservice at the beginning. It was brewing, you know, massive IPAs and huge imperial stouts and some of the stuff that I was accustomed to that you would you wouldn't drink and you can never sell it on to somebody from the north or my family from the north that this was beer like you know beer was bubble yellow water right like that's Mm -hmm. that's what beer was but i think when people brought their craft and they were able to kind of realize that that's there's still a massive market of people who like to drink beer and you need to access it doing it but when you yeah, like when you go north of Paris Sound and all of a sudden everybody's towing a boat or an ATV with one, the even more shocking one is when you see like a deer on the back of a of one. Right. You're just realizing like that doesn't happen down on Queen Street, right? So <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I think that, and for me, that was when I started to think like crap, that's when crap beer started to quote unquote make it for me. Because like early on, we, you know, more urban settings were early adapters, right? And we had like cool breweries opening up with that sort of like Edison Bob aesthetic, big hoppy in your face beers. And it was like, this is fucking cool. And it was, but then it was like, once I got not quite far as north as you, but like my in-laws cottages in Southampton and Saugeen First Nation. And like when somebody opened um, a brew pub, uh, in the main street of Southampton and they didn't have any like blow your face off beers. It was like, they're right. still their number one beer is still a lager. And uh, that became like the cool place in town and people stopped yeah. going to like, you know, their, the local like dive place or the Legion for Bud. And they're like, Hey, this place can actually accommodate 12. Let's have our, you know, the firefighters come in here after that's when I was like, okay, this, this is actually the vibe. Like that's when you're like, be the coolest thing in your little town as opposed to being like another cool thing in Toronto, for example. And I think that's actually what sold me and romanticized craft beer for me was that it was community based. It was driven by the guys who are going to support the local kids hockey team. They have a float in the parade. They do X, they do Y, they run, um, you know, they run a, a clothes for kids campaign for winter. They do this, they do this. Um, they're actively engaged in their community as both, you know, receiving and giving. And and that's what really sold me on the idea of craft beer. And, and that's something that I see in, in, in the North um, and people really caring about that. And I, you know, I don't, not that I don't see it in Toronto and other places, but you know, people pulling up to the side of the road when a hearse goes by. You know, and sometimes in the north, people stand outside their car as that goes by as a moment of respect. People get completely off the road, like they would an ambulance or something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do they not do that in cities? I do that. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? I always. I do. thought that's what you're supposed to. Do. That's how yeah. it is, but you don't <laughs> see that many places, right? And I, I haven't seen it. Right? Okay. It's something new. I only do that in Suzanne Marie. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's well, because if not, you get into a fight at the parking lot, right? So <laughs> actually I love the uh I love the craft scene in Suzanne Marie. My dad was born there, Mark, and or no, oh, he nice. wasn't born there. He grew up in the Sioux. He's born in Italy, yeah. but grew up in the Sioux and and I was there uh, four or five months ago and 
Yeah. It was, it's, it was cool reading the history. Like craft beer has been around for a long time uh, uh, in Northern. the North. And then they Northern, and then they kind of got that collective thing going with a few of the different breweries and they changed hands. It was family. And so like I, you definitely, we had, we tried to go to outspoken, but they had their front window broken when we were there that weekend, but uh, yeah, they're in a not great part of town now. The downtown, a little, a little dicey on Queen Street. It's a different Queen Street than you were it's referencing earlier. Yeah. yeah. And did you? Did you? Have you guys ever heard of the draft balls for Northern? Say it no. again. Draft balls. Have you heard of these? No. Thing? So it's a distinctly Northern Ontario thing, and so it's a blow molded ball of draft. And you had to buy a specialized tap that had a long uh, kind of needle that pierced a, a section of it and went right down to the bottom and just had a pony tap on it. And so when guys were going to their hunt camps and stuff, they would throw that in the, they'd throw two or three of them in the lake. And that was their beer for the, the week. It was probably two, two and a half, three cases of beer in there. But it was a distinctly Northern brew brewery thing. The funny part is, completely not recyclable there was <laughs> nothing you could do with it and on the box that you bought it in it showed you how to turn it into a bird feeder which was just kind of cut off the rounded sides and throw a bunch of bird seed in and hanging it from your patio so guys would have these all over the place uh, at their camps and stuff because that's the only place their wives would let them put it up or whatever but <laughs> it was this distinctly northern ontario kind of experience and so when the guys reopen there the the i think it's a team of three men who reopened superior brewing there they started having a whole bunch of guys going i've been waiting to give this back to you and they're like <laughs> what are we gonna do with that like we're, we're not even sure that that's legal to sell like it was just it was this like very distinctive thing and then i went to school at laurentian um which had a which had um uh, a branch of northern there and uh we had something a horrible drinking game called beat the ball where there was an upperclassman that would hold the tap open and you would just keep on putting glasses underneath it 15 minutes later you would have drank the ball and god jesus well it's like a lot said, of like two or three cases in one ball yeah jesus we used to yeah, do and... centuries. I don't know. I'm not sure how common that is, but we would do. It was a shot of beer every minute. A minute, yeah. yeah. Every minute yeah. for a hundred minutes. Yeah, we uh, harder than it the, sounds. It, it, it's no, it's not. I'm trying to like as I say it. I'm like I'm pretty sure I could do that now. It's Maybe eight it and a half beers in four in an hour. How many and 40 beers? Minutes. Eight um, and a half beers in an hour and forty minutes. Pretty straightforward. It's... Stuff. It's the carbonation that gets you. As somebody who's done it, of course, times, it's the carbonation yeah. that gets you, and that's and that they actually banned it in my residence when in the nineties. Uh, they banned Ooh. Citra Club, so of course, as you know, geniuses as we were, we decided to do the Gretzky Club and the final one for Walter. Oh, <laughs> I like so, that. Great ways of working around. So they banned it. You just rules. called it something else. One hundred percent. So it was the Gretzky Club one for Walter at the end. Yeah, the Gretzky Club one. I like that. I never did Edward Forty hands, which has just struck me as stupid because forties are always disgusting. I was at least uh, always snobby enough to to shun forties. Yeah, I drank the nine beers in an hour that my father in law said was impossible. 
I'm like, what do you mean it's impossible? He's like, you just can't do it. Me and all my friends have tried. You can't do it. It's too much liquid. It's impossible. I said, challenge accepted. He wasn't really challenging me, but we got together with family when I was, I don't know, 23 or 24. And I did it. It was hard. The last, the last couple of beers were, there's no room. There's just no room left with the carbonation, but like nine beers in an hour. I know the story obviously, but I don't think I've ever asked what format and what beer. I was drinking the lovely Labatt Cristal. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, Nine nine crystals in an hour. So I would, I would pour, I would pour half of the beer into like a small glass and I had, and I had six minutes to drink each small glass. Like you know, you, you started the, like, oh. like Crystal's got an interesting story in Thunder Bay. Mm-hmm. So that's the only place that you can find Crystal on top. There's something about Crystal and Thunder Bay. I don't know what it is, but I know that there's this, there's a connection there. So virtually every bar you go to, Crystal's on top in Thunder Bay. Crazy, and it's I think it's the only place that they still make kegs for it, and it is so lucrative that they're able to to kind of keep that going. There are some bars that they will, it'll actually say breakfast, where they put a shot of Clamato in the bottom of it and then pour crystal on top. But... Really? I grew up in the classy wrong town. Classic classic. I mean, I grew up in a town where it's brewed, but it's still, you can't find it in the same way on tap. No. You can is... also drink Sleeping Giant beer in Thunder Bay. You don't have to drink crystal. Oh my gosh. Sleeping Giant. And the craft beer scene in Thunder Bay has blown up. It's got uh, Lakehead beer where they actually serve you right from their bright tanks. And they got Detroit pizza uh, in there. Sleeping Giants, fantastic. I interviewed Andrea and, of course, I can't remember her partner's name. And there's Dawson's Creek there, which is fantastic. The the brew scene in Northern Ontario is very good, high-quality beer. That shout out to, shout out to Matt Pearson, the owner-operator of... of uh... Sleeping Giant. He's a London boy. Oh, he is. Yep. Chris of Jonah Melville's good friend. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed Andrea. I guess, I'm guessing Andrea is his partner. I don't know him that well to know him as his partner. I just, <laughs> I know okay. him to see him. And okay. I know he worked at Joe Cool's when my dad worked there because it's this oh, very cool. small town. We all worked at Joe Cool. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mark, I, I'm conscious of time. I, I, I never, I never had an agenda for tonight, so I just wanted yeah. to get and meet you. So hopefully, <laughs> people got fantastic. to listen to us Thank meet you. each other. Yeah. And I now I really want a Kentucky Common. I hope somebody out there listening is like, "Fuck yeah, we should brew a Kentucky Common." I'm I thinking. Know. I feel like Collective Arts are. Uh, I feel like Nickelbrook had a Kentucky Common. Somebody yeah, they had, they had uh, Kentucky Bastard. Yeah, but wasn't it a that was a bourbon stout? I think. Bourbon, yeah. I think you're right. I think it was a stout finished in bourbon barrels. Yeah. Anyway, if you're listening, uh, please brew a Kentucky Common, and we will drink it on the show. Um, have, have you drank the sponsors of the show beer yet? No. It's <laughs> a bad answer, Ben, but it's our it's a true. It's accurate. Both of us. Yeah. It's accurate. But can you get it on in Ontario? Okay, it's at the beer store, which oh, where it's I don't at the beer store. Yeah. It is at the beer store. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> we have a radio station that uh, promotes our show and finds us advertisers, and they found us the good folks at Long uh, Farmers Creed Beer. 
but I, I've yet to have a Longhorn Lager. They did ship me some T-shirts and hats, but I haven't had the beer yet. So yeah. uh, hopefully it's good. I'm going to edit this part out, but no, it's fine. Have you? <laughs> I don't think I have, I, but I'll have to check my untapped. I'll have to. Yeah, I was going to say, untapped. let me just log in to Mark's untapped here. Well, quite a few people thought maybe it was not real that we were pulling people's leg because their slogan is, or the tagline of their commercial is grab the bull by the horns, which has always been ours too. So I, I don't know if somebody saw the... Uh, Wouldn't it be great if like you, you just made up? I'm not like above it. I, I thought about it. I thought about making up ads for a long time just to get the ball rolling on some ads. Yeah, just some, like, and just like, and give an obscure place like, oh yeah, it's a new listener. <laughs> Right, maybe like I'll do that like, mid-show. That? It's, oh, it's in the north. It's a great place. You gotta go. It's it's a destination. Next show, because it's too obvious for this show that we're talking about it. But next show, we will make a fake ad and drop it right in the middle. Perfect. Maybe we'll Does do it for it part to be two. about beer, or we could do it about anything. Oh, yeah. I I don't. I would prefer not to be about beer because you get questions mm-hmm. like, "Have you had their beer?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, where the like, I don't know. How do you? Get, I feel like the mark of a podcast is when you get like the 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 ones that everyone has. Like, better health seems to be on every podcast I listen to. Like the mental health. Uh, um, and what's the one where the ball shaver that's everywhere that like it oh, seems uh, like landscape. Yeah, yeah, you got to have a nut grooming sponsor to really know you've made it as a podcaster. Yeah. Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter, there's one. Sorry. No, no. You go ahead. We talk about shaving your balls, Mark. It's fine. Well, no, <laughs> I, I just like it's amazing. Like, how how does the marketing guy from that product says it would be great if you you sponsored some true crime podcasts, a book podcast? Like, do you know what I mean? Like how it does must that... be working. It must be working. I mean, it's basically a shaver, right? It's probably just a smaller shaver, but someone was like, let's make it about balls and uh, get on them. But it's it just like, I, I just can't imagine the marketing department saying, you know, it'd be great. So this this podcast has 100 people that listen to it. We should advertise on it because at least 50% of them have, you know. I bet the percentage of listeners to this show that have balls to shave is higher than 50. That's just my guess. I would assume. Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking for hairy balls, a beer podcast would be the, the best possible sponsor. There you go. Or what's the, our mattresses? They seem to really, really lean into a podcast mattresses, sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Mark, if you've listened to the show before, you know we'll do we do Pell's Corner, and I, I, Chris, I'm, I think you've got one ready for us, right? I do. Okay, let me make sure we're sharing audio because honestly, it's just not the same without the theme song. Um, did you send over the file for the new? Yeah, thing? you know, I was having some technical issues. We're still kind of in post production, so. Okay, we'll play the old one. And then just because we're here, be a drunk fuck. Arnold's here too. Just had to say hello to Arnold one more time. Okay, what do you got for us tonight, Chris? For those who are listening for the first time, this is a, a little time we carve out for co-host Chris Pellerin to have a little bit of the, the spotlight. Give us a game, give us a quiz, give us a little something special. What do you got tonight? Well, so it sounds like Mark was doing a little bit of back listening to prep for the show tonight. So we're going to go back a little ways to something that we were doing exclusively until I could think of something else to do which was, you know, some would you rather questions here. So, oh, sweet. And Mark's coming down with a Northern touch, you know? 
Whoa. Was that a Chocolaire reference? It was yes. a Chocolaire. <laughs> Opa Shell, you know. Is it, it Chocolaire or Chocolaire? Am I putting a little soft <laughs> shut on that for no reason? Uh, you're thinking of Johnny Depp. Either way, I've got the song to end the show when we fade out tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, as as usual, I will be the judge and who comes up with the right answer. Oh no, I don't usually do that on this one. This one's more just a a thought piece. No, you pick a winner. There's all everything has a winner and a loser. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you rather have a personal maid cleaning up after you everywhere you went, or a personal chef on request at all times? Oh. Um, don't say your wife, just in case she's listening. No, no. I wouldn't even think that, Chris. We're not misogynists like you. Um, I would this person clean up after me as I cooked. Oh, yeah. They'll take care of everything for you. Mm. They would follow you around like you're like a four year old, and they're your nanny, and you just leave everywhere. I think if I had a personal chef that cooked me whatever I wanted, it would be really actually bad for my health. And I think having a nice clean home and then I could explore cooking because I had less cleaning to do would be a better option. So I would choose the cleaner. Same. I think that's the right answer. And quite honestly, I am the four-year-old in this house. I drop random crap. Like there are candy wrappers and all sorts of crap all over the place. Candy wrappers. I suspect, I suspect this is not gonna this picture is not gonna go downstairs for four more days, right? So it's <laughs> it's yeah. in your daughter's room. Yeah, it's that's the problem, right? So yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Mark. My wife goes on the war path. Like, who's leaving their girl of our rappers ever? Mm. Yeah, which one of you kids? You know, I'm just going to go ahead and clean this up. It could be to anyone. See, rappers drive me crazy. I need to point. My wife needs to listen to this to know that I'm much better than you guys, at least. Like, for me, it would be made for sure. It it goes from game to shame real fast, eh? Like, it goes, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whatever I can do to get some points, man. I need all the help I can. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I like cooking. Who likes cleaning? No, true. Wow. Yeah. We have a we have a cleaning person. It's like a very first world thing, I feel like, but they were here today and it was lovely. We so for we like do, I, we do as well and it's it's a game changer in yeah. so many ways. And you realize um do you do the pre-clean before the cleaner shows up? Oh yeah. Yeah, we almost okay, canceled so on her today because we hadn't pre-cleaned. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And I quickly like tidied the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, I'm I'm embarrassed of how I live, but I can't be this embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <how> I, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, I do not have a cleaning person. So I need to have people come to my house once every two or three weeks to really get my shit in order. Mm. That's yeah. the other option. Invite your in-laws over for dinner. You clean up real quick. That's right. Real quick. <laughs> um. Here we go. Would you rather keep your existing first name or change it? Oh, and we're all we're all rocking some pretty generic first names here, fellas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would there have been so, something cooler if you had the option? My I mean, my parents debated naming me after my grandfather, um, whose first name was Moses. Oh, that's a strong yeah. name. Well, yeah, yeah, but probably a difficult like elementary and secondary school life. Um, yeah, I would have spent a lot more time out in the parking lot fighting. Um, but uh, it um, Moses so Solomon it, sounds like I'm like did that, did you read the new Moses Solomon? Like that's 
that's oh common. that's fair that's fair yeah yeah it, it is interesting because um so my parents had this like moment where they decided to make sure that all my names were in the bible so it's moses or sorry it's mark john solomon oh and my mom fought for mark to, and she she won but i don't life maybe i would have been a professional brewer or uh, mo. You know, brewer thing. mo could have been mo could have been mo is that really uh, what Mo is short for? Morris. Mo Morris. Okay. Morris. Okay. Probably more commonly Mohammed, actually. Mm. Well, sometimes it's Mo money or Mo problems, also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those That's just short for more, and it's the same number of syllables. So that mm-hmm. one I never quite got that it was actually shorter. It's easier to say. You don't have to come around on that R. More. Oh, it's exhausting. Oh, that is tiring. <laughs> Uh, there's definitely a time, uh, probably summer of 88, when I would have not wanted to not be a Ben Johnson. Uh, but I'd, uh, my parents actually did offer me the ability, do I want to change my name? Because there was a lot of like, not bullying, just bull- just shitty teasing. And so I was seven and I said, no, fuck no. Why would I change my name? He's the one that fucked up. So I have been faced with this question before and I said, no, I'm good with Ben. You always find those people that um, have the same name of somebody who's involved in a scandal and their yeah. social media blows up because they're mentioned in, right? <laughs> so like, you know, if whatever. So if in 88 there was Twitter, your social media. Oh God, it would have been hell. Thankfully, yeah. most people are aging out. Like most, like for, for most of my life, I would say my name and then wait. And now blank stare. Like, oh, okay. Like the, people are for like, not when I introduce you. I make sure that the, you get the first and the last name and some helpful <laughs> helpful <laughs> pushing. I, like, ask him about steroids. Do it. Do it. In ask 35 him. years, it just doesn't bother phase me anymore. Ask him, give him back the gold. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm thankful that he wasn't very media savvy. Like, if he was active on social media, instead of being like almost as dumb as an actual horse, it would be a different story. He's just, every once in a while, he pops up and you're just like, come on. Come on, yeah. the stupid cheat ads and stuff like uh buddy. Right. <laughs> Chris, what would you would you I would maybe go with something different. I mean, my middle name is Mark, you know, so my parents, they uh not religious at all, but they felt the same thing that everyone felt in the early eighties. We've gotta go with the typical Bible names. Hmm. I don't maybe go with shortened your names, right? Because I'm guessing Benjamin and Christopher. Right? Yeah. So that's that's also a choice. I mean, I would have I would go with Topher if I was a douchebag, but I I choose Tofer. not chose yeah. not to. Or Stoff. Um, Why does no one shorten it to Stoff? S T O P H. Fair. Or Istoff. I should have gone with Istoff. Just take the middle. That sounds kind of powerful. You know what? I would have gone with Istoff if I could have redone my shortening of my name. Pretty solid. That's a strong name. Um, I'm still I'm a Benjamin. Um, usually when I'm in trouble. Um, but my parents fought hard for never Benny. Of course, that's what people like yeah. Chris call me. But my parents, as a kid, like don't call him Benny. There's just yeah, something parents... about adding the Y to an end of a name. It's just well, my son is Charles and Charlie, and I'm very aggressive about Chuck. Never Chuck. We don't call him Chuck. Yeah, you know, you're sort of inviting Chuck to be the name. No, I'll kill you if you say that. <laughs> I've never understood how I've, I've never seen how Richard becomes Dick. I don't know. 
bad bad parenting. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> or like Margaret becomes Peggy. Yeah, I like those. That's a, like how did that happen, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Like, how did Moses become Mark? Like, that's a weird one. <laughs> fair, fair, yeah, yeah. I just shortened it down. All right, here we go. This one's a little bit, uh, a little more morbid here. Would you feel worse if no one showed up at your wedding or if no one showed up at your funeral? I mean, I'm dead. I don't care. Mm, that's the obvious answer, Ben. Be more creative about it. Think about your, well, I guess I would think about your family, but they're not there either because they hate you. Mm. A wedding would be horrendous if no one showed up. It'd be cheaper, though. Yeah, but I'm I assuming they, they, they RSVP'd that they're coming and then they didn't? Or yeah. they just because didn't. they dislike you so statement. much. <laughs> yeah. That's a true statement. No, we're not coming, but fuck you. You still have to pay for it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a true statement. <laughs> Everyone gets the beef, not the chicken. They want the most expensive meal. Fair. I mean, you funerals suck. Parties... I, wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at people for not coming to my funeral. Yeah, you know, the funerals have changed after COVID, right? Like, uh, they are, like, I lost my mom last year. And, like, funerals used to be this massive productions, right? Like, it was, like, the night before was the wake and the day of was the this. And <clears throat> in some Indigenous communities, it involves, like, a, a four-day sit with the body and, and, and all sorts of stuff. They're now just... Oh, okay it happened it's almost like a social media post and and then the family gathers and, and buries like it's it's quite small yeah. uh i think covid has changed it and that's an interesting industry because I, I so i had a buddy who actually became a funeral director because he filled out in grade nine one, or grade 11 one of those aptitude vocational tests his came back you. as his became back as mortician Come on, what are you dude, doing to that test that it comes back? You followed through and got it. I was gonna mine say, you don't have as, to do that, you don't yes. have to choose that career path. Mine came no. back as bus driver, and God knows I fought against that for the most of my life, right? <laughs> what so, are these tests that you are perfect for bus driver? Like, I don't understand. Like, You're like sitting and yelling at kids, yeah, that's yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, funerals are ridiculous, though. Like, have you ever driven past any funeral home? You're like, this place is a palace. Like, you yeah. instantly know this is the biggest ripoff in the universe. And they get yeah. you, right? Because they're like, well, you probably would have wanted a $6,000 casket. And you're like, really? Like, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah. I, don't know, I finance real estate. And somebody sent me something about for the funeral home. I'm like, good God, they're just printing money. It's yeah. like people die every day. <laughs> yeah, but then they, yeah. then they just squeeze their loved ones for like well you got to get the better flowers and the better urn and the blah 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 yeah i'd like to just be shot out of a cannon just get all my friends together in a field and just launch me over their heads in a cannon and be like fuck it (laughs) what's that cost wasn't that uh um um i think hunter s thompson is that hunter s thompson that was his i think i think he actually did do that (laughs) yeah yeah that was his that was and i think there's court challenges whether or not you can launch a body or something like it was yeah like yeah or or the my <laughs> other good one would be like do the whole funeral thing closed casket but then mid-funeral your body just goes on wires across everyone's head while they're sitting there oh, good idea yeah. <laughs> but that's gonna be even more expensive but, but you know anyway, worth it 
worth it. Yeah, worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skip, worth okay, it. but for the answer, says my answer the guy, is... Says the guy who said, no one's going to be, no one's going to, I'm not going to be alive, so who cares if people come to my funeral, but no, but let if me I have go to have a funeral, let's hundred grand to have me fly have through on the green screen. Yeah, but if I have to have a funeral, I want people to be traumatized. That's fair. That's absolutely <laughs> fair. All right. Would you rather have your first child at 15 years old or 60 years old? Sorry, what did you say? You cut out. Would you rather have your first kid at 15 or 60? Oh, oh wow. I uh, wanted to say 11 or 70, but this seems a little bit more. Inevitable. I mean, 15 would kind of ruin your life. <laughs> like, I don't, I hate to say that to, for young parents, but you have energy galore. Because as someone who had a second kid at 40, it's exhausting. Uh, but if you're very, very wealthy, I mean, didn't Mick Jagger just have another kid? Like, I don't know. I guess I choose six. The first kid, though, it wouldn't even enjoy that at sixty. This is a good question. You're skipping right to grandparents if you go have it at sixty. Yeah, it's a hard one because, like, but you I, don't I think have... to Ben's point, it's like your life is ruined or their life is ruined on the sixty because, <laughs> like, you you're not making it to teach them how to drive. Maybe it would be like, kind of cool to basically be done parenting at thirty-five, though. Like. Your kid's 20 and you're like, oh, still got a lot. Well, at 35, you possibly could be a grandparent again. Like Grandparents. Grandparenting is easy and fun. Yeah, not when you're 35 and your teen also has a kid and you're like, right. God, I really didn't teach this life lesson very well. And now right. I got to raise this kid now that I'm 32 and a grandparent. You remember uh, Steph Power. Her mom was a grandma at 34. Wow, really? Yeah. A grandma at 34? No, Do I'm lying. To edit this out. That's a real person we're talking about. Like, <laughs> no, and I'm wrong. Okay. Please strike strike that from the record. Nope. I do have some buddies who who did have children quite young, and they were in their teens. How'd they doing? They made it work, um, but it you know it wasn't easy, and you really have to rely on your parents to figure it out and also means that like you're making different life choices than I'm assuming that you plan to yeah I I think it's quite honestly the incredibly wealthy that have children in their 60s right yeah if I was incredibly wealthy I would choose 60 you need to have the younger wife right because I mean your wife's not having a baby at 60 yeah or that's like immaculate conception so wait a minute option two comes with a much much younger wife (laughs) I mean I'm going to assume so (laughs) It's not like your wife is Mrs. Robinson. She's 78. She just had her first as well. So when I had my vasectomy recently after a kid two, uh, I, I was asking every question you can imagine because that's what I do to kill the time while someone's literally digging around in my nutsack. And I was like, what's the youngest person you've ever done this for? And he said, I have given a vasectomy to an 18-year-old. And I was like, how is that possible? And he's like, he was expecting his fourth child. Oh, no. at, 18, at 18 I thought yeah. you were going to say he just didn't like condoms and I'm like well none of the girls are going to believe you that you had a vasectomy and you're not going to get pregnant <laughs> like come on I mean vasectomies are reversible that should be the, I mean there's a good argument to make vasectomies mandatory at 18 why not 
Yeah. You know, it I I I also had a a a dream of being a rock star um that faded like Oh, you're the guy that wanted to be a rock star? Yeah, the <laughs> one guy. Um and I I was in a, a garage band and I believe our lead singer had six kids and one of them was after a vasectomy that didn't take. Oh yeah, I've heard those stories. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I just can't imagine. And of course, because they didn't go back for the test or what have you, they weren't, they didn't lock it in at this isn't done for you. <laughs> right, so. right. Well, nobody goes for that test, right? You just assume that you're fine. I brought my sample back in. Did you? No, that's not my bag. <laughs> I'm like, if it happens again, it happens. You know, I mean, you didn't fine. do it. You didn't get, you didn't take it back in. You didn't experience no, sure. the, joy, the weird joy of handing a cup of your cum to a stranger. <laughs> I did not. I for sure. This I, part I thought, will be edited. <laughs> I for sure thought there was going to be a fourth baby coming. For sure. Mm. But who's winning do? this? Would you rather? I can't even decide on. I, I'll, I guess I'll decide. I, I'll I, decide I once we finish. Yeah, I think I would say fifteen as well. I think that. You know, you would have maturity thrust upon you in your most selfish years of your life. But, you know, I think you'd probably you'd probably be better for it in the long run, or you could be anyway. 16, I, I, was, I was 16 15 year is old. just a titch too young. I, I was 16 year old, and like, I absolutely love the teenage years. I, I loved her, obviously, through, but I'm really loving this. If I was in my 60s, I don't think I'd be able to, or 70s. I don't know if I'd be able to handle teaching them how to drive. Yeah. You're just and you're just a weird old dad. Like there was a kid who played on my brother's baseball team, and his dad was like 65. I'm like, these kids are 10. Yeah. All the other parents are like vibrant 35 year olds. This guy is ancient. Um, anyway, this is a let's move on. To home for me is the old, <laughs> the 40 year old. You know, so the original question I read was 18 or 40. So I I tweaked it for you, Ben. I tweaked it for you, knowing you just had a baby at 40. Um, all right. In your garage band vein there, Mark, would you rather be fluent in every language or a master at all instruments? I would love to say, like, you know, as a musician, be a master at all, all instruments. But I, I know that there's very little use in that <laughs> as a recovering person of like it's i'm never going to be a music teacher a professional musician and whatever you know, i i did realize how how uh we were in paris um i took my daughter there as a part of a congratulations trip and uh Realize how how not very far my grade nine French went, and um, it would be nice to you know be able to not come off as the dumb North American person and feel like because you you go to some of these places and we don't travel a lot but we've we go to places where people speak five languages and it's. I'm I'm amazed, and for them, it's like, you know, 
chewing gum and I feel so incompetent. So yeah, I think languages for sure. Languages. What yeah. what what instruments do you play? Mark? Mm. Bass and drums. Okay. Rhythm man, I like it. Rhythm guy. Rhythm section. Languages. Languages hands down for me. Even I would just if it the option was play any instrument or just be a master of Italian, I would choose that. I just the ability to speak another language fluently would be phenomenal. Yeah. 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 It's a tough one. I mean, I would love to be just be able to pick up an instrument anywhere I go. The language one would just be you can pick them up. You can I got a trumpet. You can come over and pick it up anytime you want. And play it perfectly. Oh. Did I tell you I have a trumpet? Do you know I own a trumpet now? I, I do. I remember you talking about it. And how much dust is it? Is it like four inches thick now? Or you play it all the time? I must, I like offhanded, I mentioned, must have mentioned to my mom once. I was like, you know, I kind of enjoyed playing the trumpet in high school. I wish I had a trumpet. Oh. Guess what I got that Christmas? There you go. <laughs> as but part then, of the school band, not to play by yourself. No, no. Yeah. It's just it. like at school. Yeah. <laughs> but I picked up the trumpet the day I got it and played the scale from memory. But that's as far as it goes for me. Like it was like I don't even know where that came from. It was just like muscle memory. I could still muscle go. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. All right, I got one more here for you guys. All right. Would you rather take care in your house uh, a crying baby for a day, just doesn't stop crying for the whole day, oh, or have the shittiest house guest you can imagine for a week? I've I've done number one recently. No, I can't mm-hmm. stand having anyone in my home more than one night. So I'll take the baby anytime. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's a really good friend or a relative, after one night, get the fuck out of my house. Quite honestly, the baby, you don't blame the baby for anything. Yeah. You build some deep resentment towards people. Yeah, and you can't shake a house guest like you can a baby, right? Slow down, you can. slow down. You can. <laughs> Mark, you're just too far removed from a, from having a baby. You could absolutely blame the baby. Why won't oh, you, you shut do, up? But you feel like even a worse person. But there is a transference if it's an adult in your house, right? So, well, I mean, I feel way more comfortable telling a house guest to go fuck themselves than I would telling yelling at my baby, which I did when I had babies, and sometimes they wouldn't be quiet. And then you just, as you said, you feel miserable for not being nice to a, an infant who yeah. has no control. There's also Unless an interesting part of like crying baby where everybody thinks that they have the secret sauce to it. Yeah, like, let me like, hold oh, him. Let me hold him. Like, shut yeah, the fuck I, up. I can do it. I, I put them to sleep all the time. I did it. Stop it. Yeah, Try to, like, stop it, right? Like, I this is the this is the exact thing I want you to do, is to bail me out of this situation that I have no control of. Because when you leave in five minutes, it goes right back to where it started you from, right? Yeah. So, all right, rephrased: a five-year-old that's in a temper tantrum all day long, where you feel like that five-year-old has some agency, and that tantrum's louder and more irritating than that baby. I can handle that. I got a I got a two year old right now. I, this is like that's fair. <laughs> I shouldn't be asking you this. It's the one right. day thing. I'll like work on my to, question. It's it's the one day. Like you can do anything for one day. One week is like 
you have to start thinking about like where you're gonna put the body and stuff, right? Like it's a whole. <laughs> problem, right? So, what about yeah. fighting a fighting a ten year old all day? Because that's mm-hmm. my other vibe. That's exhausting. Not physically, physically fighting. fighting. <laughs> yeah. Sam is getting strong. I mean, I will say that. Wait, I have a I have an audio for this. I'm ten years old, but I'll beat your ass. <laughs> that's perfect. There you are. Yeah. All right. I think that's the end of Pell's corner. That's it, Mark. You were the hands down winner. What? what? Someday I'll win Pell's corner. Mark, it was nice to meet you. Very good meeting you guys. Your picture of Kentucky Common is out, so the timing is perfect. It's time for another gallon. <laughs> yeah, it is time. And uh, time yeah, to earn a few more badges. A few more badges, man. There's been no badges on your untapped in, like, years. I know. I know. I got to brush that guy off. Yeah. Well, let us know if you're ever anywhere near London. You're pretty far away, but maybe when Chris is in the Sioux, it makes more sense to come see you. Oh, yeah. We can figure something out for sure. Well, Mark's- a good visit. Mark's uh, south of Barrie. And oh, that's right. But my my last time to the Sioux, the my only living relative in the Sioux, I was going to her funeral. So I'm not sure how often I'll be back. Oh, cool. That's cool to end this on a fun note. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, the... everybody got out of their cars. It's very respectful. <laughs> there you are. The seat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mark. It's nice to meet you. Cheers, Hopefully, Mark. we meet in person someday soon. Thank you. See ya. A longhorn. Longhorn lager? Do I look like a sarsaparilla man to you? One longhorn coming up. Longhorn lager by Farmer's Creed Beer. Grab the bull by the horns at select beer and LCBO stores. throughout the atmosphere so distinctive no other style comes near so when you hear you got to peer over the ledge to get a glance to know who is the man with the talent flipping the words like my body on the apparatus sky's the limit so we're bound to break through the stratas with these rhymes and a classic forget the fast or the fashion statements are make on the microphone hey, yo, world domination the base of the foundation no time wasted fire walk we trail blazing burn to the next destination flexing on this world exploration teamed with the 